0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. We're ready to go. Alright, welcome, uh, welcome to this session of uh, living, designed for living in the digital age. Um, I am Preston Davis, Preston D, uh, there goes my anonymity, uh, <laughs> and I am a recovering sexaholic. Uh, I will be facilitating the session and I am joined by uh, my name your name just slipped. Uh, Joe Clerico. Joe C. C there we go two anonymities broken so Preston D and Joe C there we go uh, So each of us will show our share our recovery on this topic and when uh, and we will take time to answer questions that will, That will be taken from the Ask It Basket. Uh, If you wish to participate, write your question on a 3 by 5 card. I think they're down there on on the chair. Just throw them up here when when you get that done. Uh, In the spirit of the the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. Uh, The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence your cell phones. Uh, Let us open with the serenity prayer. God... Grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Will that mind be done? I always forget that part. I'll move on. All right. The essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help each other to recover. Uh, The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and to become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and to help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Uh, And at this time, we'll kind of start sharing. So, uh, as I said earlier, my name is Preston, and I am a recovering sex addict, sexaholic. And uh, the digital age is something that's near and dear to my heart, right? It's what I do. I'm, a, I'm now in technology sales, but I've been doing technology since I was 18 years old, and actually, probably earlier than that. Um, you know, my first real fascination with electronics was when I was. I remember my granddad gave me a digital watch, and I'd always had one of those analog watches, but uh, my granddad gave me this nice gold, um, I was about to say Rolex, it was not a Rolex, it was a Timex, uh, a little bit of difference in the wording there, but it was a Timex watch, and it was really, probably for him, was a small fortune. And he gave me that for Christmas and I was so intrigued these little numbers just kept in the and and the date kept coming up and and I I could push a button and the light came on it was all really cool. So about a week after I had that one day I thought I'm gonna see what makes this thing work and I opened it up and when I opened up the back it was had some kind of black epoxy on it and that's all I could really see was this little green board with black epoxy. So I took a knife and I started scraping it all off and you know, trying to see the little, and I found the little black chip in there. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And then I put it all back together, and it wouldn't work. And I couldn't figure out why. And, um, you know, and and so I, I took it, I put it all back together. And I'm a good sex addict at this point. I'm really good at lying. And, you know, and uh, my, I told my mom it had quit working. And she, you know, well, why did it quit working? Well, I don't know. And uh, And so she took it to some store to get it looked at, and they very quickly determined. The reason it quit working is some, you know, 14-year-old kid had dug around inside of the... And so, you know, I got in trouble for that big trouble. Um, but that that was... started my fascination. And uh, then in school, you know, I started doing this programming stuff in Pascal. I don't know if you guys remember Pascal, but you know, I was doing all this cool stuff. I could make the computer, you know put little flashy, you know, things up on the screen. I couldn't do much. It was you know, it wasn't anything spectacular, but it was really cool. And uh, so I decided this is what I'm going to do for a living. I turned 18 and, and uh, I walked into my, I walked into my uncle's place and uh, he had this He had this computer shop, and he walked in, he set a computer on it, and he says, I'll give you a job if you can figure out what's wrong with it. And it took me a little while, but I figured it out. And this was before they had the internet. So I thought, man, I'm really cool. I got this, you know, I got this thing covered. And and so I just fell in love with it. But then all of a sudden... The internet comes along. And I don't know if you guys remember the digital modem, the baud modems. You know, 300 baud is what I had. And I I could download things. And I found these things in college called bulletin boards. And I was already a a good sex addict. I was looking at porn in an old-fashioned way. I would go to the Quick Mart and steal magazines off the shelves. um, And I would, you know, get away with that for a few years. But those pictures... always got caught with them my parents would find them stuffed up in the the ceiling tiles and under my mattress and I couldn't find a good hiding place for them well my mom and dad didn't know anything about computers and boy I could look at all these images that would take I say minutes probably more like hours sometimes to load on a 300 bob modem and they were grainy and you couldn't really see but man this was cool right and uh That was my introduction. Not only was it what I wanted to do for a living, but it's what I was doing for fun. And it became not so fun later on when it became my, you know, full-on, full-bore, 100% addiction I could not get away from. And that's what I want to kind of talk a little bit about is this digital age that we're living in. I mean, those were the good old days. Now we have everything at our fingertips in a flash, you know, I mean... This right here is way more powerful than the first computer I ever owned, right? This is more powerful than what they sent a man to the moon with. And so it's it's kind of, it's good and it's bad, right? How do we live with that today in the digital age? And I'm going to share some of my experience around that. And I'm going to share kind of, there's a story or something I saw on TV the other day. There is this tree in south america called the chinchin Chin tree anybody know about the chinchin Chin tree it's this poisonous tree but it's very beautiful it's, it's got white bark on it and it's got these really dark leaves and it's a pretty tree but it's poisonous the sap is black and if it gets on your skin it can cause third degree burns it's very poisonous and very bad but always within just a few yards of this tree there is another tree, and it looks hideous. It's really red, and it's really ugly and gnarly looking. But it is the antidote to the Chin Chin tree, and it's called the Chaka tree. And what I've learned is, as I've done some research. If there is a Chin Chin tree, there is always a Chaka tree. And that's exactly what I am finding with technology today in my life and my recovery. Is that whatever it is, whether it be the computer, whether it be my iPhone, whether it be Facebook, whether it be LinkedIn, whether it be it is my it is my poison, and it's also my cure in so many ways. Um, and I know I, Joe and I were sharing our stories a little bit yesterday, and I know his story is is going to be around uh, the technologies he's used to kind of get, uh, you know, connected with people. And that's exactly what I'm finding in my recovery, right? I've been sober for almost three years now, and I'm finding that it's the connections that I find through things like WhatsApp that keep me sober. It's the connections I find through, uh, you know, LinkedIn that help me do my job today, and I don't have to click on a pretty girl's face on LinkedIn anymore. I can just kind of go by that. If I, if I look at the intent, there's a point in the, in the big book where Bill W. talks about an alcoholic can go into a bar, and this is a big paraphrase, don't quote me on this, but he can go into a bar if his motives are right. And it's the same thing with technology. I hear so many people in our fellowship that are so afraid of technology That we're missing out on a big part of recovery and i'm missing out on a big part of recovery if i don't utilize some of the technologies that are out there now i have technology today with safety measures in place all of my devices have some sort of software on there that protects and reports back to my sponsor to at least three or four other people in the fellowship and I even went as far, we talked about earlier this morning in one of my session, in the session I was sharing earlier, going to any links. I reached out to my sponsor one day and I said, would it be a good idea to put my wife on my accountability software? And he goes, sounds like a good idea to me. You won't talk about going to any links. She's seen some links sometimes that come across that she questions. And oh, it was Sexaholics Anonymous website always triggers it, right? And... Uh, you know, and there's and there's things that I do with. Uh, I, I have a podcast that uh, I publish with all of our uh, conferences on there. And when I'm looking at things for that, I mean, sex and lust and all these these words are in the files, and she'll get all these alerts. And the next thing I know, she said, "What are you looking at?" You know, yeah. but but today, for the first time in my life in three years. I am able to hand my wife my phone with absolutely zero fear. I remember there was a time about uh, about 2 years ago, you know, even when I was about 6 months sober, I may have been looking at things that were a little bit iffy, right? And I would hand my phone to my wife and she you know, she would start to look at something whether she didn't have her phone available or my screen's bigger or whatever, and she would start looking and I'm like, did I erase that? Did I erase that? Did I, you know, any pictures, anything, you know? And today I don't have that. Because I have taken this technology and I use it only for good. And how do I do that? It's not easy. But I've learned a few tricks through all of this. And one of the first things I learned is absolutely 100%, without any hesitation, surrendering this sucker up. As soon as I pick up the phone, I'm like, God, this is your tool, not mine. And it's 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 a small little quick prayer. I say, God, let me use this for business. Let me use this for good. You know, I, it's the two purposes I use my phone for, and the other thing I'm learning with technology is that I have to listen to other people. That's part of this program, right? I mean, I got to listen to. I call my sponsor, and he tells me this is a good idea or this is a bad idea. I have to listen to my wife. Now she's not in recovery; she doesn't even go to S and on, But but I listen to my wife when I'm sitting at home and I'm talking to somebody, even if it's recovery-related, when we are supposed to be together and I'm not paying her any attention, and my wife says, hey, you are spending a lot of time on the phone, then I have to listen. Put it down. Maybe listen to my wife. Maybe build that relationship a little bit, right? And that's some of the things I'm learning. It's not easy, but it's something that I have to do. And the technology I find today connects me to more people around the world. A lot of you guys know that Uh, or may or may not know. I've talked about it. I'm moving to Tampa, Florida from this great area of recovery. And at first I was afraid. What am I going to do? How am I going to stay connected? And then it dawned on me when I've talked to some of the people i talked to. There's some guys in the back of the room I talk to just about every day, you know, or used to, uh, Alan and, and Donald. I call them all the time. We still text all the time. And, uh, you know, we'll, fly, we'll, we'll shoot a text, a group text out to each other just to see how we're doing. And that doesn't change just because I moved 600 miles away. Um, And as a matter of fact, it makes it even easier for me to stay connected with these guys. Even if I don't see them face-to-face, I can call them up and uh, something I'm learning. FaceTime, which is what I used to use to act out. Well, I didn't use FaceTime. I had an Android back then. But, you know, something like Skype where I used to call people up and, you know, hey, look at me, you know, kind of thing. Now I can call up my wife or a recovery person and face-to-face talk to them. And that's even more connecting than even over the phone. Because then you get to see facial expressions and things. Using it for good, you know that thing that I used to that used to be my poison, my chin chin tree, is now my chaka tree. It's my antidote. It keeps me healthy and keeps me keeps me sober today. Um, something I've learned as well is that I've got to pick up this phone every day for recovery. Once again, like I said, when I pick it up, I pray. And I say, let me use it for work, let me use it for, for recovery or for something good, right? Connection. The real connection with wife, friends, and the community of S.A. And uh, my sponsor told me uh, when I first started working with him, call me every day. And I did for a long time. And if I don't call him every day now, he goes, he'll call me and say, what's up? You usually call, right? But that's the key, picking up this phone and making at least one connection every day. And I've learned that sometimes I make 5, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 you know, calls a day. And that's something about going to, that, going to any length. I didn't really talk about it this morning, but going to any length is making those phone calls. Used to, when I first started recovery, I wouldn't use my technology to call the people. I would call them, go to voicemail, I'd hang up. They don't want to talk to me, and I wouldn't call anybody else. Today, I call, I leave a voicemail. Guess what? I call, I leave another voicemail. I call, and I've got people I bug all the time that, you know, there's one of my good friends in recovery. You know, I'm like, even if he doesn't call me back, I'll call him two or three times a week. If he doesn't call me that whole week, I don't let it get to me. I just call him. It's not about me, or not about him. He doesn't not like me. He's just busy, you know? And then he'll eventually call me back, and we'll have an hour-long conversation, and I feel connected. So for me, it's all about that connection with another human being. And um, there are so many tools nowadays out there that are available, and, and we at SA, or you know, there's people in the fellowship that are making even more tools available. The, like I said, the WhatsApp group, the phone meetings are invaluable. Uh, our our technology day is just amazing, and I'm sure there's even more things we can do that haven't been uh, discovered yet. Um, but my thing is, is I've learned to I've learned to put balance in my phone, and my computers, and my technologies today. Whereas before, it was no balance. I spent uh, you know I've shared this. I'd, I'd spend 45 minutes looking at porn. Ten minutes on phone, making phone calls to work to try to get some sales done, and then I'd spend another forty-five minutes on you know, and, and I use technology that way today. Um, you know, I use forty-five minutes to fifty minutes doing prospecting for work on my computer. You know, whether it's through LinkedIn, whether it's through email communication, whether, and what I'm finding is, as I'm doing that. I'm taking that recovery that I'm using the phone and, and emails and all this other stuff for into my work. And I'm having connections with friend- and friendships at work that i never had before. You know, people that I actually call and talk to and can be real inside and outside of work that I've never had before. This recovery thing, this technology, it's bringing all of my worlds together into one world. And it's phenomenal. Um, it's scary. And it's phenomenal. It, it just opens up this whole world, you know. And before, my world was all fantasy all based on some girl or some image, you know, or some chat room where I don't even know what's going on on the other end of it. And then you meet the person, and you're like, what was I thinking? It's too late. You go through it with it anyways, right? We were talking about that earlier. You know, I've done that. Oh, man, she's 250 pounds. Oh, well, I'm here. <laughs> you know, and uh, her picture sure didn't look like she was 250 pounds. Um uh, you know but that's the really cool thing is today there's no fantasy and no fake behind it when i communicate with people i know who they are and they know who i am and i can be me and i don't have to hide who i am uh, now with my coworkers, i don't just go say hey i'm a sex addict but they know if i'm having a bad day and i can say it in a good way and just say hey i'm struggling today you know, don't necessarily have to say with what but i'm just struggling I'll be a little distant for a minute, you know, and I'll pick up the phone, make a few phone calls, get on a phone meeting, I'll go to a real face-to-face meeting, I'll get on WhatsApp or one of my group texts and just say, "Hey, I'm struggling." And here's what I'm struggling with, and my day starts to get better. And that's where technology meets recovery and it works if you work it. You got to work your recovery in the in the in the digital age just as, you know, and and I'm not a big fan of just going to the flip phones, although I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not a big fan of that. We have technology today that can be very beneficial to everybody. Why not use it if you can, If you, can, you know, and surrender it, not control it, surrender it and use it. And, uh, you know, it's not easy and I haven't done it perfectly. I've had a lot of struggles. I've looked at gone to places and looked at things that i shouldn't have throughout even though three years of sobriety you know there's been days that i've gone oh wait no i shouldn't be on that site you know but it's gotten way easier and way better and man the the accountability software i use nowadays is it doesn't let anything get by and uh i like that i like having it having it there having my chaka tree right here my antidote today so anyways with that i'm gonna let joe come up and share thank you Uh,
1: Joe from Cape Cod, and actually West Palm Beach too. Uh, um, Technology—I've uh, been doing it all my life. I'm one of those. Went in the army when I was 20 years old, and uh, I thought I—I I went in the Army Security Agency, and I thought I wanted to go to language school out in California. They decided I should go into a business machine course, and that led on to a computer programming course. Um, I'm a couple years older than he is.
0: But two's
1: right. First computer I worked on was an IBM 1401. If you ever look that up, you'll find out. It probably wasn't as powerful as a pocket calculator that you might have, and a very simple pocket calculator. It only had 8K of memory. You punch the cards that were the program, put it into the machine. If uh, it didn't work right, you could turn some dials and change the, um, the memory to run. So I've seen technology in a lot of ways. I don't even think they had digital watches at the time I was doing it. Those came along later. And I'm just one of those one out of 100,000 people that go into service that come out other than chronologically older. And it became my profession. I sort of slid into it. Um, and actually, doing that, you, God works in mysterious ways. Because I, uh, I was a bright guy. Um had a perfect home as far as I'm concerned. Great parents. Walked out the front door and didn't have any idea how to relate. Didn't know how to make friends. Uh, when I came to this program, I bet you not even as many friends as I have fingers on that hand. Now, in my iPhone, I've got probably three or 400 people in the program that I've been in contact in one way or another. We'll talk a little more about that. Um, I, while I was in the service at Fort Devens in Massachusetts, fellow um, was working part time for a retailer called Zaire, long ago place. They were the precursor to TJ Maxx and TJX. And um, he was leaving, and he said, "You're interested in my part time job? It was a buck seventy five an hour. I was making a dollar and a quarter at the post library part time, so it sounded good to me." Um, that led me to go to a Christmas party that year and I was circulating around in the IT group and about midnight as you know at parties you move around uh, ended up at a table with a tall blonde woman that um, dated for three or four years and married and uh, we were married for almost 50 years technology got me there um Workaholic, sexaholic, alcoholic, tobaccoholic. you name it. The only thing I didn't do was drugs, and I, probably just because I didn't have access. Um, and I went a long time with all of that, and then I started, I got into a dark place and I came into the program a lot later than probably most of you did. I'm sober since March 29th, 2012. I'm going on eight years. Yesterday, at uh, the 115 breakout meeting, I was on a panel. That was my first face-to-face essay meeting, ever. Now, think about that. It was technology. That allowed me to find the program. It was technology that allowed me to have fellowship. It's technology that allowed me to find a sponsor in North Carolina. Um, it's technologies that allowed me, those technologies, to have sponsees all over the place. Matter of fact, I'm going to Israel. Uh, next month, just on a trip, and it so happens that about four weeks ago, a gentleman asked me to sponsor him, and now he lives in Jerusalem. So, how would that have happened otherwise? Um, two weeks, I'm going to Washington, D.C., to uh, see a sponsee of mine that was a monk in Greece that came back to the U.S., be uh, made a bishop in the Orthodox Church of America. Technology introduced me to him and got him back here. Um, phone meetings are a, a blessing for people like me on Cape Cod that there are no SA meetings on Cape Cod. There are 315 AA meetings. A lot of them. And I've gone to a lot of them. So I get some face-to-face pace that way. Um, when I got involved with phone meeting, there was a uh, daily sobriety renewal, 8.30 Eastern, and um, had like five or six people, uh, now it, it runs seven days a week, every week of the year, holidays included, and it, it, Monday through Friday probably has somewhere between 60 and 70 people on the call. We got so robust at it, we started up a four o'clock meeting, uh, and that does a about 25, 30 people Monday through Friday to catch another coast. There's a noon meeting that has tons of people on. Uh, about six weeks ago we started up a WhatsApp group uh, that provides seven days a week, 24 hours a day, all the time, um, availability for people to have fellowship. I have a noon meeting started before us. They've got about 190 people um involved in that at any given time not all of them are on of course we've got about 80 people now in less than six weeks and it, it it reached its critical mass and now it's carrying on to show you how it helps um i happened to look at the whatsapp group for the noon meeting this morning and um, a gentleman was really struggling he it's put it out there, and he needed help, and anybody there, whatever, and a few minutes later, a gentleman responded and said, well, he was available from, um, for three or four hours that morning, Eastern time, and he was in Moscow. Technology, helping people anywhere, anytime, the geography notwithstanding. It's allowed the, the message to go forth a lot bigger. Um, it certainly has helped me. Um, I wouldn't be here today if it didn't exist. Um, last June, my wife died after about 26 days in the hospital. Very intense, very ugly for me. I had people all around the world I was texting with, emailing with, talking with, and that got me through. I had some family, of course, but I had a fellowship that existed because of technology. It's all there. It's all available to everybody. It's all free. Um, I also happen to be the virtual intergroup secretary, so... I keep up a list of all the phone meetings and uh, voice over Internet Protocol meetings that are available on the SA website. So if you if you're normally like some people I know have fellowship meetings where they live, but then they travel, they're in airports or they're driving. That's another supplement for them. Um, there are lots of tools available for recovery. But it's interesting how technology works. I, uh, like so many people, I use discretion about what I get involved with, and I always felt that uh, Facebook was a bad place for me to be. So, and I was on LinkedIn, and I got off that because it was turning into something that was less than what its intention was. But here I am going on about eight years, and I've got, now I'm traveling a bit. I want to be more connected to my family, so I thought I'd join Facebook so I went on put in my stuff and they say well we have to look at things (laughs) God God must be laughing because they rejected me (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's not my time to get back on Facebook I don't know why but you know whatever maybe it's my Italian sounding last name I don't know um do try out the other things. You're not, re- you're not restricted when you're in a local area. You're subject to whoever's available in that area. Sometimes it's good. Uh, my wife was in AA for just short of 50 years of sobriety, and she'd come home distressed because a particular meeting had gone south and it wasn't doing anything for her, and she would say it's carrying the disease, not the recovery. And that sometimes happens. You don't have to be stuck. You can have a meeting anytime, anywhere in the virtual environment. Take advantage of it. Your recovery can work better. Thanks a lot.
0: All right, well, we've got like 30 minutes. Anybody have any questions? Got one way back there.
1: Yeah, curious. uh, Any recommendations for accountability software? Just an example of what you're
0: using. I can I can talk about mine. Do you have some? So so I've used. There's several out on the market. Two that I really like, and uh, it's going to sound like a commercial, but I'm not advocating for either one. But I like uh, my favorite is called Accountable to You, the number two Y O U. And I like it because on an Android device, it absolutely uh, it encounters text. So if you are sexting, it will alert whoever is your accountability partners. It, If you install an app, it will tell your accountability partners what app you've installed, and it looks at all internet traffic, period. I use Covenant Eyes now because uh, I was having some issues with my VPN software with my company and Accountable to You. So, you know, from a security standpoint, I had to go to Covenant Eyes. It works better uh, for my company, but Covenant Eyes works really well. It just doesn't have quite the robust uh, alerting engine from – it doesn't text, like, my accountability partners. It will send them an email, but it doesn't text them. So, you know, I I like the texting capability of that one. So, for me, that's the software I like to use. Uh, There's a lot of others out there – But those are the two that I've tried that I really, really liked. So I've tried quite a few others. So Yep. Yeah, with the putting the uh, with your wife as an accountability part, you're not worried with um detective involved in your program or working your program for you or something along those lines? (laughs) Always. (laughs) (laughs) And she will anyway. (laughs) That is a good question. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so the question was for those that couldn't hear it, so the um uh, or the recording, I guess, is the right way to put it. The question is, uh, with my wife being involved as my account- one of my accountability partners, am I worried about her being too in- involved in my recovery? Uh, at this point, I think the best way I described it was my life is I'm no longer living two lives. I have one life. So is my wife? can my wife get too involved in my recovery program? Probably. Has she? I don't think so. Um, and at the end of the day... We have been married now for, so I'm going to say almost 10 years. If my wife was listening, she would argue because she's very legalistic. So we are a little over a month away from 10 years. So uh, she would know the exact day, month, year, hour, but I don't. Um, But we've been married for that long. And for seven of those 10 years, I was acting out. So, you know, if she gets a little bit involved, I'll deal with that because she's earned the right to know what's going on in my life after having put up with multiple affairs and all the things that I've done to her. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. I will allow it, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Until my sponsor tells me it's inappropriate, I will keep on going. So, Joe, I'll let you share. Just wanted to add
1: just what Preston said. I involved my wife in my addiction indirectly, whether I wanted to or not. So having her around when I'm sober isn't a bad thing. And oddly enough, when I got sober um, and started really communicating, I found out my wife was a lot smarter than I thought. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) She was more perceptive than I thought, uh, had great suggestions, and she transitioned from being my wife to being my life partner. Big difference. Um, trust who you are with. If you're, if you're married, there's a commitment involved in that. I didn't honor that commitment necessarily for a long time. But emotionally, I didn't have affairs, but I could have. I had emotional affairs for sure. Um, last eight years of our marriage was great because I was dead honest. My wife knew exactly where I was, what I was doing, and uh, she was, uh, in many ways, a spiritual guide. So, don't worry about it. Yes, sir? Well,
0: I I do want to, I want
1: to, before I ask this question, I want to mention that I have a cautionary tale about making your wife
0: your accountability partner in terms of, I think, I can't remember if it was accountability to you, it was something very similar to that, and it was... um, you know,
1: early back in the rooms, and uh, I completely did not have sobriety, uh, but I was desperate to keep her relationship, so I made up my partner. And what I found was that not only did the software tell me um, when I snuck and looked at porn, it sent her all the names, descriptive names of the porn files that I was looking at, <laughs> and that didn't that didn't go well. So uh, I would just I would. Consider that if you're about making your wife an accountability partner, I don't disagree with what you guys said. I just wanted to mention my story. For those of you that are on recording or live stream, he was talking about the problems of having your wife be an accountability partner before you're sober. And I would not recommend that if you're not yet there. I think what Preston was answering and what I was answering is we had gotten into recovery. We were sober. So that is different because, you know, it's just like um, a making amends. You don't tell somebody something that's gonna really upset them. You don't push them into a you're acting out any more than they have to be. So, you know, you have to use some good judgment. I do have a question. yep I, 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 have, I know that the voice over IP stuff exists, but I've never tried it. Could, could you just make a couple of comments about how it works and what it is as a meeting resource? Well, It's called Voice over IP for the purposes of this because we don't want to promote uh, software, but it's really Skype. Okay, you're you're calling in over Skype. There are some uh, conferencing systems that have also, uh, which is, I guess, subject to some problems right now, but have um, local numbers in countries to make it simpler to call in. But when you see Voice over IP, it's talking about Skype. Or something like that. So. Yes, sir. Google Plus has that, too. Google Hangout. The other thing I'm going to share is...
0: Go ahead. Share.
1: Net handy is
0: a complete blocker. Okay. You, I can't hear any girl. It's not only blocked the website, it's blocked Word. Gotcha. Yep. So uh, what Alan was sharing was that uh, he uses a product named Net Nanny that blocks that blocks sites as well. So that's another thing, right? So I, I didn't mention that. But there's two types. I use accountable, accountability software because with my job, blocking some sites is it makes my job difficult. I'm in sales, but I'm in technology sales, so. Um, I have to be able to pull up things and talk with customers and show them. Everything I do is web based. Uh, uh, all of our software is—it's called software as a service (SaaS). It's all web based. So if I'm—if my software is blocking something I'm trying to show a customer, it doesn't show well. So I have to be careful with that. But there are other softwares, and uh, Covenant Eyes. And I think Accountable to You both will block sites as well. Nanny does it as well. You can block words. You can block sites. It it looks for ratings, maturity ratings, and things like that. So there's different ways, and it depends on where you're at in your recovery and what you have the ability to be able to do. Um, You know, um, Some people, like I said, some people can go to a flip phone and be fine. In my job, I would need to be looking for another line of work, which I would do if I needed to. But, you know, it's, uh, fortunately, I haven't had to. So, yes. Some of the negativity, sometimes you'll hear old AA guys say you don't need anything else. You work for a good program, but I promise you, if you block that stuff, it'll be a tough lot easier. Yeah. So the comment was, is a lot of people, a lot of uh, AA, SA, old guys will say you don't need anything on your phone Uh, You know, Alan's comment is he's experienced that it's a lot easier once you do that and I have done that I've gone through periods where I blocked things because it was easier But there's a point where I had to get over the hump and and continue my job in my career So, you know or change careers. I had a choice. I chose to continue and and and, you know surrender, but um, Yeah, I I do want to yeah,
1: I do want to say This is a neutral device as is any computer it doesn't do anything bad. Amen. It's only the user of it that does. It's like your free will that God gave you. You can use it positively or negatively. I don't personally have any problem with someone using blocking software or accountability software. But eventually, you're going to walk out in the world. Eventually, you got, you'll have to come to grips with the fact that there is a real world, there are real people, there's real technology that you'll run into at a neighbor's house or a relative's house or wherever. So it's good for a beginning, but I, I suggest to guys that I sponsor. You've got to grab, It's the steps that will get you comfortable with who you are. I can't emphasize it enough, I hear it sometimes, and then I hear all kinds of other things. Uh, Dr. Bob Smith, in his last talk before he died, said, there is only one purpose to this program. It's the steps. Meetings are support. Talking to others are support. They're all important, but great old line, if all you do is go to meetings, you'll stay insane. You got to change you, and when you change you, you change the guy that's using this device or anything else, mm-hmm. and then you'll become comfortable.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I think you have to. I have to. I don't want to say you. I you know I had to get to a place where I was comfortable with who I was and what I was doing. And like I said, I did blocks for a while, but being in IT, uh, part of my job back in the day was to set up firewalls and and All the software for corporations throughout Nashville to block, look at, and manage all that stuff. And I had back doors in every one of them. (laughs) Right? And I guarantee you, the software, whatever I put on here, I can get around. I know I can. Uh, I had to surrender it at the end of the day and, and eventually was able to, you know, not have, I still have some, but not nearly as strict as it used to be. So, and somebody was raising their hand back there. So, that. The, the guy in the very back he's been popping his hand up for a while, so can you describe a, uh, uh, let's see a, a, a accountability partner that does more damage than good, and then an accountability partner that is really helpful So can I describe an accountability partner that is that can do more harm than good and one that's helpful, right? Um, you know, and that's a good question, and I don't know that I have an answer for that because most of my accountability partners have all been people in the program, and even my wife who, uh, you know, who uh, can arguably be dangerous <laughs> with the knowledge if I was to act out, you know, fortunately hasn't, hasn't seen anything or been detrimental. Now, it has, you know, it's been at times triggering for her to see something I may look up, but at the end of the day, it's 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 been okay. Um, My accountability partners that are good are the ones that when they see something come across, uh, within sometimes a matter of seconds, they're picking up the phone and saying, Hey, Preston, I just saw you were looking at something. What's up? You know, not being judgmental or anything, just saying, Hey, are you okay? Um, You know, and and those are the best. Uh, The ones that are detrimental to me are the ones that just don't care. And I've had a few of those that I wouldn't say don't care, but they just never called, never asked, you know. Um, you know, I want somebody that loves me enough, and most of the guys in this fellowship love us enough to call me up and say what's up. So that's for me. Do you have anything to add to that, Jeff?
1: I was just going to say I, I tell guys who ask me how do, you, how do you find a sponsor, I said, you find somebody that you think has got a program that you want. Find an accountability partner the same way. Mm -hmm. Hey, you're not hiring a friend. I've said this before, but I tell almost every sponsee I have or anybody that's looking for a person to help them, if you want a friend, get a dog. (laughs) (laughs) This is life or death. You want somebody that you know is gonna help you. That's an accountability partner, a sponsor, a recovery friend, because your life depends on it. Mm-hmm. Never forget that. People die with this disease, but before they die, they die spiritually, and maybe that's the worst kind of death.
0: Amen. Now we got another one back here. Oh uh, yeah. So kind of flipping that one on its head. You mentioned that you could always find a back door. What if what if you are an accountability partner to somebody who um, is using the software so that they they don't go looking for stuff, but then they're commonly looking for stuff, and they don't want to talk to you about it. Like, you know, if you call them up and say, "How's it going?" And they say stuff like, "Oh yeah, I'm having a rough time." And then two weeks later, it's the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, and so this goes along with being a sponsor right i've i've done this it's it's a hard balance um uh, oh i'm sorry the question is if you are an accountability partner with somebody that's struggling so you know they'll look at it Every couple of weeks or whatever, and you call them up and say what's up, and then they just like, oh nothing. And you know, it's a cycle over and over again. How how you know what I guess the question would be, how do you handle that? What's the, you know, what's the best way? For me, it is kind of that it's a like Joe was saying, you don't want to be their friend, you want to be their accountability partner. But in the same aspect, there's there's always, I guess the best way to answer that is what's the loving way to handle it? They're not loving themselves if they continue to look at this over and over and over again as a broken record. So, you know, there's a point where you have to confront them. And in a loving way, just like a sponsor, if you have a sponsor, think about how your sponsor may have confronted you. You know, they'll listen for a while. Okay, my sponsor listens to me for a while, and then he uh, he says some words that I probably don't need to repeat. But it's like, get up off your ass and do a step whatever step he tells me to do right and there's other colorful words in there I think I said the least colorful mom that I could think of uh one of my co one of my uh one of my uh brothers (laughs) sponsors uh his sponsors my sponsor shaking he said yeah and uh he he lets you know and I don't not love him because he tells me in a hard way that I need to do some work and it actually makes me love him more so uh same thing, being an accountability partner. You just have to lovingly, forcefully, in a way, say, you need to do something different. And, yeah. There, oh, yeah. I
1: just pass along to you what uh, was said in the big book. Uh, if you're working with somebody and they don't want it and they refuse it and they're not listening and you can't help them, this sounds harsh, but move on. Hmm. Because you could be denying another person recovery by not sharing your experience, strength, and hope because you're fighting a fruitless battle. Maybe that person will wake up and come back to you or to someone else. But at the end of the day, it's a deadly disease. And we're, we're not there for Well, I'll help anybody till the end of time. But if they're not going to want to help themselves, I can't make anybody recover. I've sponsored a lot of guys. I've had some spectacular successes, some abysmal failures, people in between. I do it the same way all the time. So I'm kind of figuring it isn't me. You know, I'm just carrying the message. I've only got so many hours in the day to carry it. So same thing with accountability. You know, and it's not bad to say that to someone if you're working with them. Hey, you're not doing it. If you're not going to, Work the program or you I'm not the right person for you, find someone else. I've never had to throw someone away, but I've had to bring their attention up a little bit. So
0: one more back there? So sometimes it seems like whenever we have this accountability partner of software, it becomes a game. Our mind can't help, because we are addicts, it can't help but say, in the back of your mind, even subconsciously, it seems like, what is a backdoor, or how can I get around that? Any ideas on how to sort of
1: stop letting yourself obsessed about that? Or is there ever a time it's
0: better not to have... Right. So the question is, is maybe if you have some kind of blocking software, accountability software on your phone and it becomes that game of us addicts play of where can I find a back door? How can I get around it? How can I install it without my people finding it? All these questions. Is it sometimes better to do without it? Now, that's something only you can answer for yourself. Um, For me, I played that game for years. I've played it with Facebook, I've played it with LinkedIn, I've played it with accountability software, not accountability software. At the end of the day, it came about exactly what I talked about, that surrender, right? And it comes to working the steps with my sponsor, getting some sobriety under my belt, and now it's no longer a game for me. I have surrendered it completely, and if my sponsor tells me I need accountability software on there, which he has... And he's one of my accountability partners. You know, um, I do what he says, and it's a surrender. And uh, at least Covenant Eyes, the one I'm using now, it requires a code from him to uninstall it. And, uh, you know, I haven't tried to do anything because I just don't want to anymore. What Joe said, this is life or death for me today. So I choose life, and I choose to just let it be on there. I choose not to have facebook on my phone uh actually i don't even have linkedin i only access it through my computer because if it's on my phone it becomes too much just i can play right i choose what goes on what device and i'm very careful about that today because it becomes you know everything becomes a game for me what can i spend time playing around with today so uh, does that answer your question i think and joe do you have anything to add to that Uh, i'm just going to say in the beginning um
1: My park bench was my sofa in a family room, in the dark with the TV on, shifting through the channels, looking for a hit. I had every cable channel imaginable. I got rid of them Um, because I was not at a stage in the beginning where I could make good choices, program, working the steps. I'm able to make choices now. I don't have to watch crap on television. There's crap everywhere. Uh, I can make my own choices now. uh, It's okay. I don't even have to watch TV if I don't feel like it. That wasn't an option for me before. Um, The program and working the steps in my perception of my life has given me back the ability to make choice. So in the beginning, if you're not there, use something that helps you. I'm not saying you ever stop, but ultimately, if you've really inculcated yourself into the program and the step, you really practice what the steps tell you, like step 12, I hear people constantly say that's all about helping another person get sober. Read it closely. 40% of it is that. The other 60% of it is about putting those steps into every facet of your life. It changes who you are. It's changed me. I'm, I'm sure on the outside I, I look the same, maybe eight years older, but I'm not the same person on the inside. It really works.
0: All right. So we got just a minute more. I saw Bucky raise his hand a second. Yeah, uh, President just what's that? Tell a little bit more about that. Are those uh, those uh, links on the? on the website on the SA website or so 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 yeah WhatsApp, there's a there's an app that you can download called uh, download called WhatsApp it's uh, basically a chat based app that's encrypted um, and it's yeah very highly encrypted and uh, we have rooms set up. Uh, I think you, most of them you have to be invited to. Yes. Uh, so, so you have to find the one people. I
1: have, There are two of us that are the gatekeepers.
0: Right. So we and make sure it's somebody that, that wants
1: recovery, that wants to be, it should be there, and then they're given access, and then they're.
0: It's so text. What's the process. So what, usually. What's the process. Yeah.
1: What it depends on which one you're talking about. In the case of. The one we run on the, uh, the 8.30 or 4 p.m. DSR, um, we have an email address, mymorningDSR at gmail.com. You can send an email there and ask to be done. Um, you can send a text message to me making that request and within 24 hours, you'll be uh, authorized on, a matter of fact, Since I've been here, I've put up five different people on it because they heard of them. Joe, if they
0: send an email, they need to include their phone number, is that correct?
1: Correct. That is correct, yes, because that's the the access point. Um, It would also be good if uh, you downloaded WhatsApp and established yourself before. It just makes it cleaner coming in. But you'll still get a link that will be uh, texted to you, and that way you can get in. The noon meeting has their own process of phone meetings. I'm sure there are other ones. You have some that you've mentioned to me, but they're all restricted by some gatekeeper. You just can't go on to them. You just, right. And you can also do video on them, and you can also call. And if you're in a, another country, particularly where the phone service isn't that good, it's probably the most stable way to make a phone call. There is I'm, I know it was in South Africa where I was in October. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And usually, if you can get on one of the WhatsApp groups, you can eventually get hit all of them. You'll get. You can ask somebody to, hey, I, I want to join the SA Geek Camp. Okay, they'll join you. So it, it becomes a, this prolific thing that you get joined in. So it's just a matter of finding it and getting joined in. So uh, let's see. What do we got? We got and just a couple more and minutes. we have
1: a few openings left at the eight thirty
0: meeting. Yeah. So, there you go, so we're going to have to, I saw some more hands, but uh, so we're going to have to wrap up, because we're about at time, but yeah, about, uh, two about two more minutes, so I don't remember who I yeah, saw raised first, it. so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to ask, is there a stage where you would recommend cutting back completely while well, you're like, when a plane takes off, usually, now, the stewardess isn't going around with the cart, you know, giving right. The drinks, Right. So is there a time in the beginning that you would recommend? Like I have a year of sobriety, but lately in the last, like month ago or so, I was really like even using Google Maps to get the places, not pornography, but not clean, not so clean, you know? And I just feel like, is there a time that you recommend where you just should sort of say, you know, maybe use your wife's email or something and just black out everything? So the question is, is, is there a time that you would recommend, uh, during your recovery, where you black it out versus just block everything or, you know, really restrict it. And then maybe at other times open it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There are definitely times that you may want to, you know, restrict it more or letting it up more. But I think at the end of the day, for me, it's more about when I feel like I need that, that's when I need to reach out and connect the real connection you know, that, that I need with human beings. More so than what I'm trying to seek in that. So it may be a time to ramp up my recovery versus the artificial trying to block it all out, too. So just a thought. I don't know. I don't have a right answer or a wrong answer, but that's mine. So.
1: I don't either. Yeah. But um, most addicts I know are obsessive-compulsive people. I know I am. Um, and if you find yourself beginning to obsess on something, it's probably a sure sign that you should back away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I had one person that was on WhatsApp, say, they removed themselves because they found themselves checking WhatsApp about every 60 seconds. So they became obsessive about it. Maybe later they'll be fine with it. Uh, you can do the same thing with anything. That's part of what you gain back in recovery is the ability to make choices. Make them. It's OK. You don't have to be able to do everything. That's the beauty of the program. You can do the things that you need to do that further your life and create peace. I never had peace until eight years ago.
0: Amen. All right, so if you have any other questions, feel free to come see us after this, right. but we got to call it a day. So uh, I'll close with this. Uh, closing, Any anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant, I absolutely 100% agree with that. (laughs) Uh, I'm the participant. The principles of essay are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. And let's close with the uh, third step prayer. All right.